produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahi. And I'm Yasmin Ammer. And yes, we're still coming to you from our home studios in Boston and Cambridge. And even though we're living these days in isolation, I've been finding ways to keep myself busy, less stressed. And for me, it's kind of included a little bit of reading. It's included a little bit of television and lots and lots of culinary arts. So I am looking forward to making bread this weekend. Andrea, what about you? Have you been keeping yourself less stressed? Ooh, I'm excited to make bread too. My sourdough starter is very active right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you gave me mine, but I killed it. Oh, it's okay. I'm glad that you're going to be making bread this weekend. I've also been baking a lot. I've been watching a lot of movies, doing a lot of FaceTime sessions. And tonight, actually, my choir is hosting its first Zoom meeting. So we're going to see how that goes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you can harmonize as well on video chat. Yeah, I'm not sure how much great singing is going to come out of this, but we'll find out. It'll be fun. But for the past couple of weeks, we have been giving you a COVID kindness update. And this week, we wanted to talk about some of the creative ways that communities are coming closer together despite our social distancing, starting with this movement that began in Italy. So Italy has been practicing social distancing for longer than most of us here in the U.S., They've been under total lockdown since March 9th. So that means no travel, no meeting up with friends or family, no leaving the house unless it's to get food or other basic needs. And violators can face a pretty hefty fine. And a few weeks ago, our coworker Sophie Eisenberg spoke to her friend Francesca Di Stefano in Rome about how things were going. We're all struggling with this. Staying out inside the house, not being able to leave your house for any reason, is nerve-wracking and very frustrating. The only moment of relief when you can feel and see human interaction is around six. So at six every day, there is music. Uh, People are going to their balconies or terraces or, you know, opening their windows and they start to play music, they sing together. So from one part of the city to the other, you can hear music and people singing together, uh, which I I think is very, very nice. Francesca is pregnant right now, so it's been especially hard for her. She can't go outdoors for exercise or have social contact, but having this one moment a day when the outside world comes to her, helps her stay positive. So I I think if there is one one good bright side coming out of it is that when when we are in a situation of need, Italians really come through and, and try to help each other and be close to each other. Those musical Italians went on to inspire people all over the world and in the U.S. People like Shelley Glennon. She's a mother of two living in San Jose, California. When Shelley came home from a conference in Toronto, she felt sick. She actually had a pretty high fever. So she decided to quarantine herself in her bedroom. But that meant spending time away from her two- and four-year-old. And after days of nursing that fever and waiting for her other symptoms to subside, she started to feel physically better. 
but mentally, she was kind of a mess. She needed to find some sort of outlet. And I just had this glimmer where I remembered seeing the Italians singing from their balconies. And I was like, you know what? I need some music. And so I turned on the music in my room just and just danced in my room and started to feel better. Shelly told her kids who were aching to see her to go out on the sidewalk. She put her speakers on the windowsill and then they danced together as she stood on a landing outside her bedroom. This was just like this moment where we all just kind of oh, like took this big sigh and just kind of filled our body with some positive vibes again. When her doctors gave her the okay, Shelly joined her kids downstairs on the sidewalk and they started to dance. And her neighbors took notice. Now every day at 3.30 p.m., Shelly, her kids, and all their neighbors dance on their sidewalks. They call it social dis-dancing. And they've got a Facebook page where they go live every afternoon so you can dance along too. As long as just one person is getting lifted up by this each day, it's worth it because I know how bad I was getting. And if I can help other people lift out of that place, it's worth it. And it's not just music and dancing. Some are finding joy in expressing themselves through the visual arts. The idea is that each week there is a theme and everyone in Philly, young or old, can and should make art based on that theme and then display it in their window or somewhere outside of their house or apartment where other people can see it. This is Robin Mack Ward. She's a realtor and art lover in Philadelphia. And she's also the founder of this project. It's called One Philly Art. And we make a Google map of all of the different blocks in the city where the art is so that when people go out on their walks, they can see other people's art and what they're doing and how they're interpreting the same thing. Robin says the map has more than 200 designated locations, and it's continuing to grow, now spreading to nearby counties and across state lines. The project is open to everyone, but Robin says it's especially popular with families, including her own. She's got a four-year-old named Cosmo at home, and she says making art has been a highlight of their week. Even though we're spending all of this time with our families, it's a nice activity to do together where the anxiety kind of melts away when you're working on it. How are you connecting to your neighbors during the coronavirus pandemic? How are you dealing with stress right now? We want to hear your stories of COVID kindness. Call us and leave a message. We're at 617-353-6350. That's 617-353-6350. Up next, a remarkable story of resilience and healing. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Amr. And I'm Andrea Aswahe. Tragedy is an inevitable part of life. More likely than not, we're bound to deal with something that feels beyond anything that we could possibly cope with. Maybe that's how you feel right now. But sometimes we surprise ourselves with resilience we didn't know we had. And that can manifest in remarkable ways. There's something fearless about Patty O'Malley. Beyond her commanding voice or six-foot-tall frame, maybe it's the courage she's built up over the years 
after everything she's been through. Or maybe she's always been that way. I remember being on the top of Wall Street, getting off the subway, my morning saying as I looked down at a sea of men in suits and say, you guys rent this place and I own it. Mind you, Patty started working on Wall Street as a 17-year-old high school dropout in the early 80s, working her way up to managing director. I loved it. I loved the excitement, and I saw no barriers. Back then, that fearless city girl never imagined that her life would take her all the way to rural Kansas. But that's where she moved with her then-husband 30 years ago. She ended up in close-knit Abilene, population 6,000. Everyone's watching out for everyone else, and, and there's a positive that. I became a single mom, got divorced, and was raising my children, and I needed that community. I needed that, that support from my neighbors. Her house, surrounded by vast land and farm animals, is where she raised her sons, Keegan and Riley. I don't think there's anything in my life I loved more than having children. I think that's where I learned truly the meaning of love. But that idyllic country life began to change. Patty started drinking. It started casually, a glass of Chardonnay after work. But then it got worse. I was destroying my life and what I loved, everything I loved, inch by inch. I struggled to stay awake until 7 o'clock at night and get food on the table And I think the worst of it, as it progressed, as I became angry and and started really destroying my family with that anger. Patty enrolled in rehab. In the meantime, her younger son, Riley, who'd always mirrored her own rebelliousness, was getting into trouble at school. I realized he was not so much just now the rebellious child, that he was also having an addiction problem. By high school, Riley struggled with opioid addiction. He and Patty went through recovery together. We had dreams that didn't involve drugs and alcohol. And he wanted sobriety as much as I wanted sobriety. But on Easter Sunday, 2012, Riley's car swerved off of a bridge and plunged into the river. He was driving under the influence when he died, just five miles away from home. This disease doesn't just kill the addict. It kills everyone who loves the addict. Patty grieved for her young son. He was only 19. She desperately needed a way to channel that grief. I love that boy. And I think me taking that love, this, the power of how I loved him, and turning it into something where I can help. I couldn't help my child, but I can help someone else's child. Patty decided to turn her rural home into a residential recovery center for women struggling with substance addiction. She calls it the Cedar House. So we're on about 30 acres, and we have the main house where I live, down the hill, which is really a pretty secret, secluded location, which really makes a lot of the women feel comfortable. The Cedar House is a kind of sanctuary, a place where Patty and other women can recover from addiction together. Women like 58-year-old Renee Lopez. I had to do whatever it took. I done lost my family. I have lost my, my, my job. I had nowhere to go. Renee's been struggling with alcoholism for most of her life. When her sister died of cancer eight years ago, things took a turn. 
life just got pretty darn bad for me. She was my rock. She was everything to me. In the two years Renee spent living at the Cedar House, she was able to go to support group meetings and see a professional counselor. She was also able to heal through service, volunteering at a food bank on the property. And then there's Renee's favorite place, the greenhouse. It's watching another thing grow. It's like watching myself grow every day. It's just planting that seed and watching it grow every day. The three greenhouses are also a way for Patty to keep the Cedar House self-funded. It's exciting. And now we're seeing the next steps. So nothing's in our way. Nothing's in our way. Patty's immensely proud of what her old house has turned into over the last eight years and how many people it's helped. It's been a way for her to heal and honor the memory of her son, Riley. I miss him. I just miss him. I know that I still love him, and this is how I show it, that he walks with me. Thanks for listening to Kind World this week. We'll have more on this episode and a behind-the-scenes look at how we're producing our show these days on Instagram. We're at WBUR Kind World. Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. And I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. Look, we're living through an extraordinary time. The coronavirus pandemic is affecting everyone. But we want to hear about the good things that you've been seeing from your neighbors and friends and all the wonderful things they do for each other in this particularly difficult time. If you have a story, call 617-353-6350 and leave us a voicemail. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.